I'm angry. I won't lie. I, I'm angry. I'm, I, 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 I'm, may, I am, I am very tired of seeing people that have no reason to suffer be made to suffer for, for us to have plastics and, and one person to drive 30,000 euro vehicle and all by themselves pump out. I'm angry, man. And, and, and that anger, I've tried to funnel and, and pour it into the, the, the work itself. Welcome to the show, uh, uh, Mustafa, and uh, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm a photographer. I'm a documentary photographer uh, from New York City originally, and I've been living in Berlin for about 11 or 12 years now. Uh, my work focuses mainly on climate change. And instead of diving right at clim climate change, or going directly at it, I've tried to uh, come at it from the side. So the work that I started about 10, 11 years ago uh, is something that I've been continuing to this day. It's called Water. And it documents a resource that is in crisis, but it isn't necessarily always about the resource. It is about a way in which human beings interact with the natural world. And we have seen this in the news. We have seen, we've seen this uh, uh, years past in nature issues uh, across the planet where the question is what are we doing to it and what is it doing to us and i thought by using water by using the subject i could hold up a mirror for a whole lot of other subject matter that it would be nearly impossible to photograph uh, in one lifetime and so in some ways the work is conceptual and it's in its intent in its commentary in other ways it's reportage i'm documenting real uh, uh, world events, nothing is posed. Everything is, uh, uh, um, in some ways, a piece of a larger puzzle. But within each aspect, within each story, whether it's country, theme, uh, region, uh, topic, I try to, in some way, knit together this common human experience where where we are we are reflecting uh, our 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 hubris, our concern, our our priorities. All these very, very difficult uh, um, uh, aspects of human behavior that, that that are oftentimes difficult to to communicate and photograph. So, I wanted to use the project as this, and then it's kind of spiraled out of control. <laughs> it's kind of gone beyond that, uh, as it should, as it, as as you would hope, uh, for something that's as as relevant and as important as this. Um, and it started to become a work that requires other aspects and other delivery methods and other uh, methodologies to, to, to communicate and to, to illustrate. So the water of what I'm showing first is the kind of the core of the work. It's what I started in 2011, what I'll continue to do uh, probably for a long time. And then I might show a part of the work that were some photographs from the second part, water part two, that um, that isn't public yet. Uh, so I show a few photographs from that, and it'd be really nice to share that for the first time. And then there's some photographs that I made last year, uh, a series called Arctic, um, about similar themes, but not necessarily as didactic as 
as being only about water. It's kind of an expansion of this idea, uh, a step forward. So hopefully we have enough time to, to walk through all of those and, and I'll, I'll reiterate with that. I kind of want to know about, about you in the beginning and, uh, what, what started you on this journey, um, in, into photography. Um, I read a great interview of you um, with uh, Mamiya Seven, and uh, and you just kind of started uh, photographing and you started doing pho- photography work. But but how were you? What were you like before you became a ph- photographer? Ah, yeah. uh, interesting question. I wasn't expecting that. Um, <laughs> what about your store? <laughs> yeah, what, what was I like? Yeah, what was the story? Like, Where did you? Yeah, the or the origin myths. Um, yeah, <laughs> I would say a very peculiar. I would say I was a very strange kid. Um, I can say that a lot of my upbringing or childhood, a lot of the memories that really stand out to me the most, uh, have a lot to do with confusion and a lot to do with uh, a feeling of separateness. Uh, alienation, and this comes from as much from culture as it comes from class, as it comes from personal experience, uh, personal experiences. Excuse me. And I can't say that I helped it any which way. Uh, I grew up in New York, and then and then uh, my parents moved out to uh, out of the state, and uh, this constant change of locations uh, from childhood, mixing with a very I was a unfulfilled sense of belonging. I suppose everyone goes through that. That's a part that I do believe in America most particularly, but I feel like it's kind of resonance everywhere that, that belonging is, is a major topic of, of, of early development. But for me, it, it never felt like the question was answered. I felt like I had never quite um, belonged or fit into any one group or uh, any one way of being. And this informed a lot about how I felt about myself. Uh, this made me, I would say, um, feel very vulnerable in that type of society. Uh, America can be a um, unforgiving environment for those who are different. And I did feel very, but I was also very fortunate that my mother, very sensitive woman, she, uh, domestic violence counselor and teacher and then trained psychologist and and she was very very in tune to to the to trying to raise uh, um, a son whose personal experiences growing up were different from her own but who felt quite troubled and and out of place and she did a really good job I would say a lot of the my best qualities I think all of my best qualities come from my mother and and this this uh this speaks to a level of sensitivity and attunement and attentiveness that she had towards other people uh, and then what they were going through and what they felt. And I felt that growing up. So in answer to that question, I felt very confused and, and a bit lost. I was there. I was, I felt very lost all the way up until I, I uh, picked up before I picked up. I mean, I don't know if that actually changed anything. I think I oftentimes still feel lost as a person, not in the same way. But at the at the time of like the teenage years, late teenage years, before I came up uh, across uh, Richard Abaddon's uh, work, which was my first introduction to photography, I felt that there was no real clear, fulfilling answer to this dislocation that I, I perpetually 
uh, was troubled by. And I think photography in some ways was the bomb and the a new spark, a new uh, uh, um, motivation to take those feelings of confusion and do something about them. Um, do something about them for my own sake, do something about them for the sake of those immediately around me. Because um, photography at the end of the day is communication. It's about uh, understanding. It's about reflection. It's about um, so many things that are in, indispensable to human interaction. So uh, to kind of rewind, I got I got a left ahead, but to kind of rewind before photography, I didn't have that belonging. My mother, I would say, would, was my main guiding light uh, for what to do with those feelings. And she, she always encouraged uh, a sense of volunteerism, uh, a, a, a matter and character that personified a certain selflessness and anti-materialism that was very out of place for America, especially in New York City, especially, I mean, the late 90s, uh, 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 was a was a booming economy, and, and this was this was a time of unchecked uh, uh, behavior in my culture. So, and this is where I came of age. So that confusion mixed with the country around me feeling like it was entirely unconcerned about people that looked like me or people that sounded like me, uh, that were biracial or um, that came that had learning disabilities or or speech impediments or all all matters of things that set you apart. So I would say my mother helped shepherd that confusion into purpose. She encouraged the idea that one must have character in all aspects of their life. And this was particularly troubling for me because I felt that the things, the questions that I had about what is what are the roles of, uh, of a citizen in, in, in in the United States at that time, what's my role as a, as a young adult? What do I want? What can I do with this? What's the what's my responsibility to to other people? What's my responsibility to myself? Is it only about is it only about what I can get? Is it only about what things I can buy or what I can appear as or 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 the the vapid nature of 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 like you know unchecked capitalism? I felt like I I know those things made an ounce of sense. And my mother really encouraged introspection. She encouraged patience. She encouraged uh, trying to see beyond those barriers so that I can understand why those people that believe in those ideas believe what they do. And by doing so, be an example uh, um, for, for, for a way of being that I think, she, I think she really thought would be the best for me. So I would say uh, before that, I was, I was just in summary, in the summary, uh, I was a, I was a confused, maybe a little angry uh, outsider, outcast, and photography in some ways gave that direction, where I could say, well, if I feel this way, then uh, there's probably a ton of other people that maybe do, and maybe I belong with those people. Maybe I belong with people who feel massively uh, misunderstood or uh, uh, outside of the status quo or, 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 or feel like they, they, they lack certain opportunities and define themselves by answering those challenges in, in original, honest ways that are caring. And, and I found that the camera gave me purpose. It gave me the ability to go to those people and 
show my desire to connect with them and express what I what I felt uh, um, about things. And and you can you can oftentimes tell the the compassion of a human being and their ability to see beyond the obvious. And people that I connected with before photography and then into it, they helped illuminate and and support that way of thinking, that way of being. Uh, and so, in some ways, they, these 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 um, these these points in time were concurrent. They went hand in hand. Uh, when you go and seek, you 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 are also uh, uh, highly likely to be found. So, yeah. So that's, that's, uh, that's you know I. Uh... A couple of things that that stood out to me was this idea of volunteerism and and anti uh, anti materialism, and it, you had a couple of things. It's it sounds like your mother was a huge influence on you, and um, you know I, I kind of hear that that the the mythical origin story you just shared. You know I'm just kidding, but uh, uh, Spider Man's origin story. Now, um, but in what I heard that story's been told countless times too many times so but yeah that's a good that's actually actually a real quick comparison but eventually when you start trying to contextualize your life for others it's all you 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 try not to a repeat yourself uh and as i do believe that's what the 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 comment did touch upon is this fact that spider vitamins or just or just and repeats itself but what's interesting about that comment actually is is that if done to some challenging degree, then I do believe by looking backwards, you can act actually dissect that origin story, that myth, that thing that you tell yourself, that you've learned about yourself, and have to kind of challenge it and hold it up for 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 inspection in the manner in which you tell it. So if you hear me say "uh" a lot, that's that's me trying to that's the, that's the sound of a of a of a poorly focused human being trying to bullseye. <laughs> trying to bullseye their way past bullshit so <laughs> i really like that last line bullseye their way past bullshit that is fantastic um trying to say something what i, I, I <laughs> yeah it's true what i was gonna uh what where i was kind of going with that was uh you your two subjects the the arctic series and even the water series that that are both still ongoing they're massive topics and their implications are worldwide. It's every single person. It's and so it's it's a very very big task to take. And um, you, you, I was uh, reading an article that you had done, and you you knew when you started this that it was going to be a long long uh, project and in an ongoing one. Uh, and so. Talk to me about what kind of inspired you in that, in that, in, into this is, was it just kind of like, I just want to, I just want to go and find out and, and let the journey teach me or, or does like research play into how you kind of got started in this series? I, I want to jump into that before we actually jump in, uh, to the series. Sure. Sure. Um, I think the, that work was a natural progression for my desire to apply myself. And I looked at a lot of topics around 2009, 2010. I guess, I mean, it's pretty pretty sad. That's what I do with my free time as a photographer is I'm, I'm, I'm reading, uh, I'm researching things. Uh, so uh, I had a very, very exciting social life during 2009 and 2010. 
as you can say. <laughs> uh, the, I was researching a lot at that time. And the reason why is that I wanted to find something that was fitting for the idea. So I believe every photographer has, in some ways, their own value, their own contribution, their own, uh, uh, use the word journey. I would just, I would, I would say some, something like they have their own set of choices and challenges that what will define what they value, who they touch, how they speak to people. And I th find that extraordinary. So individualized and personalized that it, it, it goes hand in hand with self-development. So with, on that note, on the idea of self-development and personal vision, what your contribution is to your own self and to the environment around you. I was looking for topics around 2009. I was looking for things, ideas, uh, uh, subgenres, groups of people. I looked at what in my own past growing up, was there, was there something there that I felt particularly, um, particularly responsible to speak about or in the position to, to speak about it in a meaningful way? Uh, and I and, and I found that I was not interested at all with telling talking about by being biracial. I was not interested at all about talking about being American. I was not interested at all about talking about any of these personal, very uh, um, close stories that I could speak. And it took me a long while to actually to understand why that choice felt so wrong to make to make to to go after those things. Why, why I felt disingenuous or in some ways not a good choice. Uh, maybe I circle back, back to that later on. But at that time, 2009, I had been a photographer for some time and I was really just looking for where's my belonging with my voice? What do I, what challenges me? What interests me? And I looked at themes. I've always been a person who uses Harrison analogy and metaphor as a way to understand scale and to imply a way a way to reverse engineer how other things function or how other people might think and I, I suppose that is that is the the maybe it's a common method of an outsider or someone who feels uh, uh, that they that they continually flit and move between uh, places and things that they they never quite uh, prescribe to so so with that in mind, I wanted something that was grand, but not grand in just size or scope, but grand in vision, a way in which to to push fully the throttle forward on what my eye and what I'm made of so that I can see, am I supposed to be doing this? Am I supposed to be contributing to to this time period and speak about meaningful things or or should I should I go and and photograph twigs and shit, you know, like, like, uh, at what point, at what point do I, do I view what I'm doing as not only my own, but a contribution to something, or do I just view these things on a materialistic gain and, and think of what I can get from them, uh, in terms of money or prestige or whatever. And I was trying to answer that question during my research, finding some, what people would justify my, my time on this earth. So when we mentioned this project, I really want to hone in on whether I'm speaking about water, Arctic, and maybe the other stuff that I want to show, that the means of our communication is time. It's fundamentally time, not just in this, this, this 
this uh, uh, superficial aspect of one sixtieth of a second, whatever bullshit. But like more so the meaning of like, this is your time on this planet. And when you give time to another human being, give them consideration, sympathy, and empathy, and, and, a, and an ear, and you, and you listen to their story, or you try to give meaning to something uh, of your own story, you're giving your time. And I do believe your time is the most valuable thing path. Everything else is, is uh, uh, debatable. So knowing that every single person on this planet is facing a time period then in 2009 when I was researching and now 2023 we're having this conversation and into the foreseeable future that we're all facing a period of time in which our very existence is up for debate our very future is up for debate our 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 moralism of how we use this economic system has long been up for debate that the time that we contribute into these systems into this world what we're doing to it what it creates in the time scale for our children's generation and those that come after and, and if the planet is not uh, taken care of, that all of these things have to do with time. And I thought, I want to contribute to this time. I want to contribute my time and I want to contribute to this time. So uh, before this, before we jumped on this, I kind of spoke a little bit about um, the role of responsibility of contribution uh, that I believe photography has the, the 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 capacity for, and uh, and and I felt that after in two thousand nine, my research was into energy, it was into migration, it was into uh, um, it was it was into mainly large scale human behaviors because those large scale human behaviors were dictate and determine what we do with our with our future and what we do with our immediate choices. And I thought I wanted to use photography to address that. I wanted to comment upon. I wanted to evolve and learn and adapt and, and in some ways sought a subject matter that would let me do that. And then after some time, I realized there was always water, not water in the sense of just a resource, but water in the sense that I could use this topic as a reflector, as a mirror. I could photograph these very real world issues as reportage, and then I could kind of subvert it by by the human element, the, the the interpersonal element, the one that comes from me, where I can express my feelings towards what I'm seeing and try to make those two things overlap across a long period of time and use this one project to reimagine and uh, to reimagine and look my screen suddenly. Um, to reimagine what I could, what I could offer, what I could offer this time, this 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 moment, and that's that's really the origin of the, the idea. So ten years was not really ever realistic, and I and I had a feeling, to be honest with you, it wasn't realistic. I I I I, I had to say something. Uh, you know, you know the you know the thing like fake it till you make it. I think uh, I heard I watched an interview with Tom Hardy. Uh, the other day, and he was, he was, he was talking about acting. It's just like, just, I, I'm paraphrasing a real great actor, but essentially, it was just saying, you gotta just, you gotta go, you gotta dive into it. You gotta, you gotta, like, even if, even if you have no photographs and you have the, 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 the conviction of, of an idea or, or that the sense that you can contribute something, then you just gotta go and do it. You like, you have to forget all the rest. Um, just keep doing it. 
until 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 it works. Uh, and so that 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 kind of for me it would really explain the origin of that. Ten years was I think that, I think that's another thing. It's especially uh you know, you're you're fairly young when you got started. And so to have that kind of long perspective is is amazing. I I often uh, try to tell people when they ask me, you know, they go, uh, well, how do I come up with a series or whatever? You know, I say, find an interest and do it for a really long time and just see what happens and be more interested in a long game versus a short game. And uh, if the project is just going to be snap, snap, then it's not long enough. It's probably not deep enough. If it's something that you're obsessed with and that just keeps pulling you through life, um, I, I think it has value and and I and I and I hear that in you, and I and I'm really, um, it's it's one of the reasons I'm drawn to your work is uh, I can feel that um, I can feel that that awareness. So so, do you think having a sense of the long game or what I'm calling the long game is what kind of inspires how you photograph? Does it change the way you photograph? You're not such in a hurry to get 24 frames or whatever. You're you're trying to find the exact frame. It, do do you you understand my question here? Do you feel like that influences the end product? Um. Yeah. I I, I like to imagine that. Uh, I like to hurry to go slow, and I like to slow to speed up. <laughs> and what I and what I mean by that is that uh, I like to research a lot, or read a lot, or have a lot of conversations about the subject matter that before I photograph. I, I like to immerse myself, and in some ways, like make myself a little little matic about each individual story that I'm diving into. And and then I want to go there and, and just forget about it. I want to, to speak to people. I want to be, I want that human element of immediacy to, to be the only real parameter and priority from which to judge what is a photograph rather than saying like, what's a frame or like, is this frame what I want? I don't really think in this matter. I, I can't say honestly saying that when I had photographed, I think I want some. what what I would I mean I wish maybe I should, uh, but I don't really uh, I don't really think that way. I I think more so that life is way too interesting to be to be easily understood by me or anyone, and and I think as photographers we would benefit more from recognizing that conviction and discipline and hard work and showing up at six a.m. And, and listening and not, you know, speaking to your subject or speaking over them, but really, really trying to dial in to like what makes that that particular person uh, see you in a certain way or want to speak in a certain way. And if you have this nuance, if you have this ability to, you know, like clock in some way to, to someone's vibe, then you're going to, you're on the right path to, to, to something. And you don't always have to know what it is. And I don't really want to be like, like, like uh, uh, esoteric about it. Like in very concrete terms, go and do the work. Yeah, you know, and do the work when no one's watching. And do the work when 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 someone's watching in the same exact way with with conviction and 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 uh, morals and ethics and 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 all these things that are outside oftentimes the conversation that people have when they speak about photography. They speak about photography in a very, I would say. The, the, the conversations that I don't like when when it comes to photography tend to be the ones that that are, are that are perhaps too esoteric 
Let's let's break it down. It's a human, the human element. You got to show up somewhere. You got to you got to earn someone's trust, or you got to be clever enough to get through that door, or you got to be ahead of the game just a little bit to make sure you could stretch five euros into twenty. Whatever you have to do to find what that is, you do it, and then you'll be rewarded with all the the brilliant chaos that that life actually constitutes, and that's. Endless. The thing that actually makes it difficult for me is I would like to photograph more. Mm. Honestly, I would like to photograph more, but I don't do not think that photographing more would make me a better photographer. I think the type of person I am is the it defines the type of photographer I can be. And for and there's other photographers I watch and I look at their work absolutely floored i'm like i look at what they produce and at the time scale they produce it and and how they shoot and i'm just like oh my god like this is they put out such amazing works back you know editorial after editorial essay after essay and i i, I just can't i don't i can't do that like i i i know what i can do and, and i know what i am and i'm just a very i'm a patient person i i like to i like to wait and and that means that i have to oftentimes wait months between my photographs or I have to wait hours between the, the moments in which I honestly feel this this uh, this unusual sensation of this means and then whenever I feel that I feel, if I don't feel that like I, I can't fake it I mean, who am I faking it myself it's just me out there you know lying to myself no it makes no sense so I think photography and my my manner of approaching it I try to make it correlate honestly with the person that I am and that's what I hope comes through in the work is you feel you feel me, that not as this, as this rambling little voice, but you feel the human being. That and perhaps if you feel that, you're able to listen to a, another person's experience. Well, I love the uh, uh you were talking about um previously in a previous answer, you're talking about this idea of time and you you can feel uh, and you were talking about that distance between you know photographs you know i can feel the time in your work and i i think this is a great opportunity to kind of dive into uh looking at some of these visuals um so you can kind of like dissect a little bit of um well or just kind of take us into your world for a little bit into the project sure sure so i'm going to start with uh the main project water um the, the goal of this project is to be a living document, an ongoing photographic commentary that uses this resource and the issues that face us with this resource as a mirror for all of our other uh, concerns and behaviors. It's almost as like a human study. I try to, I try to imagine it's, it's, uh, it's less like a, um, a reportage of like a water crisis, which is oftentimes um, how it's contextualized based off the needs of explaining uh this type of these types of photographs in certain media or certain types of publications but for me it's not that what it really is is a study on human beings at this crucial juncture of the anthropocene where we are uh, um being affected deeply by the choices that we are making collectively as a species and i do this by dialing into this myriad of ways in which we view this one resource and hopefully by viewing this one resource, it kind of fractures and refracts the, the idea uh, uh, into like uh, back into a spectrum of, 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 of uh, other, other, 
uh, understandings and perspectives. So uh, the first photograph that I'm, I'm going to show is of a, is of a man um, seeking forgiveness from a church group that's on the, the, the deserted side of a road in South Africa during the drought in 2018. Uh, I came across I came across them during my weeks in Cape Town. I was down there for this piece of the work. So I started the work in 2011, and by this time, I had been photographing for about seven years in different countries, ranging from uh, the Americas to um, three points of uh, the African continent, east, west, and slightly uh, um, central, and then also uh, Southeast Asia and Asia. So with this photograph, the reason why I like leading with it is, in some ways, this was a, a coming home for me, this photograph. Uh, it is very simple. I'm just kneeling in the dirt. I have met these people a very short time before, and I didn't know I was going to meet them. I didn't, I didn't know what I was looking for that particular day. I was actually, I believe, on my way. I was driving this Land Rover to um, this truck out to a reservoir. Uh, and I knew I would need this 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 four wheel because I knew that the reservoir was very dry and I would be I would have to kind of uh, off road it a bit, and so my eyes were kind of just as I was driving off road. It was just kind of I was just kind of scanning and seeing seeing, or I really just paying attention to what's happening in this in the, these far off areas between towns and between roads. And when I came across this, what I was struck by was. That the whole group, it was about maybe 30 people, um, mostly women. Uh, and then there were some children on the outskirts and they were singing. And I'd seen things like this before in the South, in the American South, in Baptist churches that I photographed uh, back when I started uh, my work. And I was, I was, of course, very drawn to that. I was wondering, I was curious as to, you know, what everyone was viewing this event as what this 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 church uh the sunday service what they were viewing this so i was watching what they were doing as i approached and i noticed that there was one man off to the side the man that you see here and he was wearing one of their shawls that they had draped over his shoulders that's coming from them that white fabric is from them not from him and he had he had arrived to them much in the same way that i had he didn't know any of them but through observing the moment and also afterwards speaking to people, I found out that he was seeking forgiveness and purification for his addiction to alcohol and tobacco and, and to some other things that he felt um, trapped by. And so you have in one photograph, two strangers, me and him. Uh, and the belonging that we are, that we see this hand that's on his, on his head, this belonging is this otherworldly belonging. It's coming from someone off screen, from someone away from the frame. And in some ways that symbol, I really like that symbol, that symbol of both comfort and reassurance is very biblical. It's very religious. In some ways, it also feels like a parent. And oftentimes in spirituality and religion, it coincides with the familial. And I like this allegory. I like this symbolism. And that's why I was kneeling. That's what originally attracted me to that moment was the hand upon the head. And so you keep in mind that I'm photographing water. At this point, seven years of traveling around the world, and yet I have no idea what's about to happen next. All I'm kneeling there is because I'm just as interested in witnessing 
this touch from one human being to another in this deserted, barren landscape that's been uh, uh, that's so suffering of drought that they're they're going to run out of water. That's the reason why Le Monde M magazine uh, 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 sent me there. I pitched it to them, but they sent me, and and um, the reason was that Cape Town was going to run out of water and be the first 21st century city to do to do so. And so here I am in that context in South Africa. And what I'm doing is kneeling in the dirt, the same as him, two strangers, to observe the capacity of um, the other, the desire for, in his case, for healing or for forgiveness or for whatever he was seeking when he arrived there. And for me, the curiosity that I feel burns, uh, uh, that burns inside me whenever I, I think of what makes a photograph compelling to me. And then out of nowhere, uh, from... Because uh, my eye was uh, distinctly on him, and I see this sleeve almost like come almost directly towards me, and I recognize in quite the last second, because I'm shooting this all on on a Mami on a film camera, I realize quite at the last second that this water is about to go straight into his face and and also into my camera, and I just photograph it. And so I I would like to say that this photograph was you know I sought this out and wanted to you know, speak about spirituality and, and and water and religion and the healing, but I didn't. I went there without knowing any of that. I went there to look at one well, the human touch, because the human touch is the thing in a drought that starts losing its feeling, human uh, uh, um, vulnerability and 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 human. Um, Comfort is is one of the first things to go during any large scale crisis or tragedy. Is you just have people feeling alienated and, uh, from from their environment and from their the systems of support and sometimes sadly from from each other. And I and I and I and I wanted to photograph that that. And so I got I would say pretty damn lucky uh, that one. I saw what I saw. It was rewarded with something I couldn't I couldn't predict. And this is this is really at the heart of the the photographs power it's it's not too well composed it's uh it's all right um but it's real and that realness is is he's somewhere else and he's there for for something otherworldly in some ways that's the symbol leaving too yeah. yeah there's a fascination there too since it's like a, a drought uh, you know, water is vital and it's it's necessary and you're using it for salvation. You're not even consuming it. You're using right, it to right. save soul, which is, I think there's a wonderful tension there. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's a fascinating, uh, fascinating image. Thank you. So I'm going to move on to the next one. Uh, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I might move at a faster pace and a faster clip yeah. through some of these um, because some of them, I, I could, that, that inspired me to speak about them. Some of them, uh, <laughs> um, bit, bit, a, bit of a moody, moody one I am. All right, so <laughs> I, I wanted to lead this 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 introduction to the series with the more emotional scale of the work. So you're seeing Ram uh, Bagate, a a, uh, uh, a postman who who um, who had died and whose brother uh, to the left in this frame is has taken his body. Hundreds of miles across Uttar Pradesh to Allahabad in India, uh, at the confluence of the Ganges River. So, in the in the far off, you see the highway. Behind him, you see the Ganges, and in the foreground, you see the burning pyre 
of one younger brother who had been in his late 70s, early 80s, I believe, and his older brother witnessing this last moment of, of uh, his life. And this is a, 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 an, an extremely private, in some ways also dystopian public, right? It has, a, it has this, this, this idea that you would almost expect this very intimate and very difficult moment to be done perhaps in a more natural setting, maybe a setting where the banks of the Ganges in the background are fertile and green, and and that and and that and that the the foreground is not barren and, and strewn with trash, uh, but we have just the opposite. The, the foreground is barren and strewn with trash and replete with it because this was the site of one of the largest gatherings of human beings every uh, um, so often uh, in India. The Kumbh Mela, uh, I think uh, National Geographic hanged the population of this one area, this one uh, holy holy area of Lahabad at somewhere around between 35 and 60 million uh, people. I have no idea how they calculate that, but that's, uh, that's, that's, it's, it's a pretty wide margin. Like when I wrote, when I made notes of this, I remember this uh, because I made a note of this and I like looked it up in some few different sources. I was like, this is, this is extraordinary. I, first off, how uh, do you count that? <laughs> I'm sure it's, I'm sure someone's going to tell me. And, and uh, after this podcast goes off, uh, they'll, they'll definitely let me know. <laughs> And then, and then, and then also, also like that's a that's a massive margin. And what I, re I really, what it really speaks to is just that that's compelled so many people to go to this one area to have really intimate, spiritual, meaningful, personal uh, 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 interactions with water, and therefore the idea of the afterlife and and the idea of their own existence. And I'm photographed this moment about a week or two after that event so this area has been like absolutely devastated by those millions of people occupying it and i think this is a bit of the the attraction of why i wanted to go to allahabad at that particular time oftentimes in in, the, in my series or in the series i like the moments after the moment um i don't necessarily uh i actually don't think i know how to photograph the decisive moment uh, but I don't think every photograph needs to be the decisive moment. I think I think sometimes uh, it can be kind of this non-moment, this 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 uh, eternal hovering type of thing, uh, this awkward silence sometimes, or, or or just this quietness between between other moments. And this one I feel is that it's not it's not the moment that the pyre was lit. It's not the moment the pyre is almost done. It's not it's not a moment in which the brother expressed any more grieving that he had already expressed the hours I had spent with him. It was just, it was this hovering constant sadness of, of one human being having to do one of the most difficult things any human being has to do, which is to let go. And I, I wanted to include that in the beginning, because you'll notice with uh, the, the man before him seeking forgiveness uh, and with this brother saying goodbye, we're looking at water as some eternal subject matter. Uh, how, this this has a way, yeah, yeah, a way a way in which both it literally affects the landscape because people are attracted to the holy Ganges in this site, and therefore has created this dystopian vision. But it also is the framework around a very human today, and I found that to be very meaningful about that. So, 
Moving on to another photograph. This photograph I had uh, uh, not shown anyone for years after this comes from Nigeria. Um, I, I At first, I, I didn't quite like it the first time I, I, I made it. And I, I shuffled it off to the part of my mind where I easily forget things, uh, which is um, which is uh, really convenient because then during Corona, I went through my negatives again because I was seeking to to actually start scanning all these things that I avoided scanning. So my, to be honest with you, my, my approach was photograph, photograph, photograph. And in some years, eventually, um, when that pie in the sky book deal comes down, I'll, I'll sit down and go through the boxes with, with, you know, dream designer and she or he or they will, will, will guide me to the book of my dreams and blah, 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 blah. But this never happened. And, and I did decided I would go through all these, these negatives during, during lockdown myself. And I did so, and I came across this photograph and it really stood out to me. And I decided, you know what, it's, I don't have to have the same relationship with each photograph that I always want. Sometimes the photograph can be something very different from how I imagined the original piece. And, and I think that's good. I think sometimes the photographs will tell you what they need to be. So I really do love the 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 the, 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 the angles of her. You see this like triangular angles of her face, uh, of the cloth on her head, uh, as it pulls back to her ear, to her neck, and that nape, and this area and then slopes down again. So it creates this very, very appealing triangle from which her face occupies the center and therefore a, a very prominent and powerful position. And then you have this, these, these, these almost soft textures uh, up into the orange and into the, the bowl itself. And the bowl is just, I, I, I don't know, I, I just find this bowl, this is the favorite, my favorite part of the whole photograph is, is the, the pastel fruit and, and leaves painted upon this bowl which then uh uh overlaps with a uh a forced perspective of of uh the the horizon of this this kind of quite barren riverbank and and uh i i think i think it has a as a little as something to it yeah you play with space really really well and the negative space is wonderful and uh there's it's uh it's almost as if she's balancing the world on her on her head, you know. But it's uh... that's really interesting. Uh, people have said that. People have said that before, and I, 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 it's funny because I I don't see it that way. Like I understand the yeah. idea, of course. What I see it is I actually see it as something a little more annoying. Uh, 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 I mean, I don't I mean my perspective. Uh, okay, help. <laughs> um, what I what I see it as. The the horizon actually to me appears a little bit like it's being either almost like a, a sea, you know, like it's kind of it's kind of draining into the into the bowl itself, and you notice the blue yeah. of the sky kind of fades into like a little bit of a brighter mid part of the the photograph, and it kind of has this hazy feeling in the distance. So it does feel like it's dissolving, and it, it, it almost solidifying the more the more it goes to the middle line or the sub middle line. I, I believe the the, the the middle of the photograph is a bit higher, and and that and that for me is was kind of where my mind was at when I was making it, and then of course I do understand the idea of the the balancing act of course, but it, to me that's not really what I saw when I was photographing. I really did see the a more a little bit more of an annoying perspective where I like this idea of it kind of like 
like I would call it the surrealist, the surrealist yeah. perspective. Yeah, you have just draining into the head. Yeah, I think I sounds like something a surrealist painter would do. But so the or, whole, or, or coming from it, either one. But yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I guess you could. Yeah, I like that interpretation. You know, I I think it's uh, pretty entertaining. It's uh, wonderful timing. You talk about I'm not good at the decisive moment. Uh, case in point, right here. No, you you are. <laughs> this is that's uh yeah you nailed it on that one. C- considering you're shooting on film and and stuff like that, it's not like you took a thousand of these. So, uh you yeah I can't afford that. I can't afford that. Thing. You know it's funny. It's uh how many people have I heard talk about all these discoveries that they have after uh dur- or during the lockdown? It's like it it created this mass uh opening for for uh, artists to kind of reflect on their work and and pivot some people pivot some people discover old the old and and it, it was just fascinating um and this one was one of those revelations for you yeah i mean it, it, it really what it really speaks to is the fact that i should have already done this as a kid maybe <laughs> I mean, I mean like i really do love the way you frame that but i the way i i i i I reckon I, I should have I should have went through my my negatives a long time. Uh, yeah, moving on. You know, I uh, I find old photographers, and I've been doing this ever since I was younger, and and even before I started as photography as a photographer, I would go through people's negatives, and I would go through images, you know, with them, and I would I would just sit there and listen, you know, and I loved it. And then they would find images a lot like you did. I haven't seen that in years. I need to print that, you know. So. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you kind of had that moment. You're like, man, I should have done this a long time ago. So, but it's all right. It's all right. Let's keep going. Um, uh, with this next one here. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is from the Nile river. And so what well, part of the work I've wanted to try to be inclusive of all of these, like very defining river bodies and water bodies around the world. It's something that I, I find to be. I think it's like, it, I, I have to, I have to photograph the Mississippi in the same way that I have to photograph the the, um, the Volga in the same way that I have to photograph the Ganges uh, or the Nile. And because these these riverways are not just the riverways that, have, that, that mean something to us today, coming back to the idea of timescale, they have been like uh, uh, Sugimoto's uh, work on, on, on the seas. Um, I saw this in London recently. Uh, Shugimoto's uh, uh, photographs from uh, the the seascapes, and what I and, and it kind of reminded me of this this concept, uh, and what he was really doing, and what I find really very valuable is my what I look at his work, my mind goes to the almost this eternal aspect to some of these movements. Sometimes it doesn't matter if this photograph was taken in 2018. It won't matter if this photograph was taken in 1980 doesn't matter there's something ephemeral and eternal and almost primordial about the renewing nature of what water offers for our planet's sustainability for its life itself but also as it reflects about the eternal nature of itself meaning that this ripple this little attention there to this ripple along the nile for me constitutes like a character of the nile and how it felt to me and and this is also just as relevant to include within a larger work that speaks about uh, our climate and speaks about water and speaks about human behavior because this connects us to time immemorial, to, to time 
past with other human beings that that have care that have been caretakers of the planet uh, uh, looked upon water and felt maybe some of these same things that I felt or maybe you feel or or, or, or think of when we look at these small ripples, these small changes, these small uh, aspects of light. And I think Sugar Mozo's work is is absolutely fantastic at making uh, the 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 mind go to this eternal nature. So I'm kind of I'm kind of stealing a little bit of his uh, of his on his. Is very clever uh, um, and very insightful understanding towards what role time plays in photography and, and therefore what role time plays in our understanding of uh, um, where we are in it. And so this photograph I, I quite like for that. I like that it has no story. I like that it's it's a it's, I'm I'm losing in chess on the top on the on the top deck of a ship that I'm on traveling down the Nile for some weeks. So. In this way, I'm staring off at these ripples that are reoccurring moment after moment as I'm thinking about something completely different. I'm thinking about uh, how to get myself out of of a, of a pickle with a, a knight and a bishop. And here, this 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 moment is going on again, 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 just to my, you know, right off the bow of the ship, and my eye just kind of starts assimilating the detail of it, uh, meaning that you look at something long enough. It becomes your world. It becomes your 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 perspective, and your mind can then, I think, uh, go places that are that are that are interesting. And your own past, and relationships, and things you want, how you feel, like you kind of like it's almost meditative in in a sense. And I kind of was in that moment whereas this ship was uh, lazily going down the Nile at sunset, and uh, this is in the, in the crepuscular time, and the, right after the sun had set. It's marvelous light. And I just was watching this ripple over, not this one ripple, but like, you know, when a, a ship cuts through water, it creates a, a, a series of repeating uh, um, echoes. And, and I, I was kind of, this, my eye was there. And then I noticed that in the aftermath, as they faded a little bit outside the, the reach of what, where the, the sun was hitting, the last of the sun was hitting, I saw that there was just this absolutely little magical, a little little, little bit of, a little bit of specialness, and uh, that's where this this well, this one comes in. It's the far far ripple of 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 a ship cutting through the Nile River, and uh, so, it, I love the gradients in that, especially yeah. the highlight. Just uh, it's really interesting. It's what you what's 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 interesting the most about it to me is it's it's entirely meaningless. You know, like it, it has no, it has no value as a story, you know. And, and when, when you're doing a work across so long a period of time, you'll you 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 can all, you have to change. You have to like you're challenged by the different sure. ways in which you've done done things. And the problem with doing a work on things that are so relevant to human experience is that you judge photographs based off that metric metric sometimes. And I really like that this photograph has none of that. It doesn't. It doesn't. I'm gonna move a little bit faster because I, I can go. I can I yeah. can uh, I can ramble pretty damn well. I love it. Uh, oh, it's what this show is all about. So, yeah, keep rambling. Going. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, you have great ramblings and musings. You know, it's like I think uh, you call it rambling. I, I don't. Uh, I think it's uh, you have an interesting perspective in the way you think about life and. Uh, I think each image is is kind of a symbol of a thought, you know, as as you as you progress, and you can kind of see that that in in the work, and so it's completely relevant. It's beautiful. 
keep it going. I love it. Um, so anyway, I, so- we do. If you want to get to some of your later work, we are <laughs> we are running uh, kind of long. But uh, yeah, uh, I'll let you. I'll let you jump into this. All right. So, so now we're kind of looking at the theme of access to water amongst the demographic that is prim- primarily responsible for it across the world. Uh, in the coming decades, more than half the world's population is going to live in water scarce environments. This is going to put a stress on all matters of social services and all matters of uh, pre-existing um, difficulties or challenges within any country that's uh, that's facing water scarcity. And so the symbol of, of, of who, the, who is facing that on the ground day to day, who are they, um, is so important for me to touch on in the work because they and, and, and the, these people are, they're almost like the front line of, of that experience. And I didn't really want to individualize that front line too much by making it about one particular person and one particular story. So I wanted to approach the theme of water scarcity and access to water by looking at the ways in which that demographic uh, uh, um, displays these these themes of uh, strength and perseverance and resiliency, these very human human uh, 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 stories. So, so that that demographic that that is on the front line that's women across the world. It's from my experience, from the the the, the data that we are we are we have seen from research, from all matters of of understanding. Women and children have to gather water, put themselves at risk uh, to gather it. Um, oftentimes, unsafe water. Oftentimes, um, if when they're pregnant, having to go up and down uh, mountains, risk of spontaneous abortions, uh, um, uh, uh, failed pregnancies—all matters of danger. And this also affects not only their their bodies but their social mobility. They cannot uh, devote time for education or for other aspects of improving their lives. Uh, because they have to track maybe two, three hours to water scarce environments to reach that unsafe water source, and then their children will then suffer uh, 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 from that. Uh, just the same, they might not be able to go to school, and they, therefore will lack an education. So you can see that access to water is not just the idea of consuming it, but it reflects a way in which a whole group, a, tr- a large group, is prevented from having autonomy over their bodies and having uh, the capacity to live a healthy and and uh, um, meaningful life. So, well, I actually want to correct that last part. It's not my place to speak to what is a meaningful life for them, but in some ways I, I wanted to say that um, what I actually mean is a meaningful life that allows them to have something more than what their circumstances restrict them to have. They, I believe human beings can, can gain meaning in ways far beyond the issues that face them. But in the way that I meant it, and the way that I mean it, is that the meaning in which they have the capacity to choose what to do with their life, instead they have to survive uh, and make choices that that are not um, that are based off of that survival, and therefore uh, restrict them in some manner. And this kind of forms a little bit of the framework within the work, looking at the environments in which that exists and does that to the individuals. And you saw three women pulling water from a well. You see Uchiya Nalo, uh, a 29-year-old mother in southern Ethiopia, climbing down the side of a mountain to gather water for the beer that she's making for the men in her village to celebrate 
her coming birth. She's eight months pregnant. So in some ways, there's this, this cyclic and absurdist uh, um, abuse that is happening to this to this woman because she's she's risking her child's life to gather water when the men should be the ones uh, 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 risking themselves to to gather water and help protect her during this really critical moment. And I really wanted to hone in on that symbol by photographing her uh, in repose in, in, in the manner in which she's working. Uh, and then now you're seeing Sierra Leone in the fields where uh, malaria is prevalent, the burning of the fields to, to find electrical um, pieces and therefore it's resell them. But these, this area, this trash dump, um, when it rains, it becomes a, a, a very dangerous point for the spread of malaria. And so I wanted to photograph these water-scarce areas and the environments around them with individuals that are in some ways isolated. In the same way, then you see these boys in this tree in southern Pakistan, uh, in this drought-stricken tree. A bit of the wonder element is kind of at play here. The, you still see the singular character surrounded by nature, and I, I use that to connect these very different aspects of that same idea, uh, the same demographic, those at the, at the far end of the social ladder that are not being looked after, that are not being provided with uh, uh, help from their from their uh, um, countries, and therefore have to bear the brunt of these very basic uh, needs. Now we're um, kind of using the motifs that I build in one country and informing the aesthetic of another. So the the photograph from Pakistan from 2013 from the the, the the water scarce region of Sindh. I I sometimes like to in my notebook make notations about photographs that I'm going to use or that I've made, and certain types of aesthetics that I use uh, that I collect in my head. Meaning that the modeled uh, uh, cemetery of Western Germany during their floods, I wanted to use that same aesthetic that links backwards through time to the photograph of the boys in the drought-stricken tree, the tree that lacks the very thing that's present in this photograph, uh, has now been connected in its in its uh, texture. And I, I like to try to use these aesthetic tools because at the end of the day, I am using a very simple process. I'm using uh, um, a color film stock that anyone can buy. I'm using uh, a Mamiya 7 that anyone can buy. I'm using two lenses, sometimes three that anyone can buy. There's nothing really special about my work process that gives me, there's not many tricks up my sleeve. I have to really rely on the connective tissue of my ideas and my research and my imagination to connect these different points in time and weave them together to make them reference each other uh, 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 on the conceptual note. And I like that. I like that restriction. I like that uh, uh, that parameter and it, 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 it keeps me it keeps me honest. Today, seeing uh, some neighbors, and also from Western Germany during the historic floods there that happened uh, in recent memory, you're seeing them cleaning and helping each other out. And at the same time, I try to use some of these compositional elements to uh, reference each other. So you're seeing a certain perspective, a certain uh, tableau of of how uh, a scene should be portrayed. And I use this within the DNA of the whole work to give these counterpoints of different types of societies. You're looking at a water point in Sierra Leone and the Crew Bay slum during the cholera outbreak of 2012. And before that, you had seen all this other community in Western Germany being affected by another water issue 
And that's how it looks in their reality. It's not one versus the other. It's not one is less worse than the other, but is that these are the different experiences in which groups of people at their critical moments of time respond to that water issue. This is how it looks for their reality. And I wanted to use a certain perspective, uh, uh, a certain pulled back, but very, very, um, uh, you'll notice in both photographs, they kind of revolve around the circular composition where everything is kind of happening in the circle uh, at a certain plane uh, from the camera. I wanted to kind of use that as a tool in which to speak about human interactions at a certain scale. And so I, I, I came up with these motifs really over, over the years um, because at some point, one idea makes particular sense. And I like to kind of uh, uh, make the work self-referential in a meaningful way so that it, it, it weaves together Sierra Leone, Western Germany, and the Los Angeles River, like you see here, into, into its own little sub-genre within the genre of talking about water as, a, as, as both an issue and a reflector. Now there's another another scale of this in which the the this abstraction of the landscape through human use and its shape and its command and control has to be commented. And so I took to the air to kind of address this. And this is something that you'll see later on in the Arctic work and some from the second part of the work is where I go to the air and I try to to photograph the systems of shape in water. So you you get this very hovering. Uh, uh, perspective. Um, and oftentimes these photographs, I like to imagine they are also a, 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 a subgenre within the, the work itself. Because I want to be able to display these in different ways. I, I try to think forwards and backwards a bit. And I want to kind of imagine that maybe in a few years' time, I want, I want these to be very large and, 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 and backlit in, in really dark rooms, and I want viewers to be able to see a certain vernacular of thought in one physical experience, and then maybe I want the more human, isolated experience to be displayed in a different way. And so I'll be creating these different motifs within the work for that purpose. It's not just to, so that the internal language of the the, uh, the, the work makes sense and, and speaks, but I, I wanted to kind of give myself the puzzle pieces. In many ways, I think I, I, I don't really photograph like a photographer, I try to. I, I really do photograph, or I really do imagine uh, these scenes more as more as uh, uh, from cinema. A lot of my experiences come from cinema, not from photography. So the idea of three people, this is something that repeats itself. The, uh, the scale and distance of that person from the camera is almost identical from one country to the other, from from certain perspectives. Because I want the that person to in your mind and in the viewer's mind to be. To be familiar somehow. When you see that man walking into the Yangtze or you see those men dredging the sand from the bottom of the Yangtze, I want you to think of them as humankind. I don't want you to think of them as that swimmer or that person. I want you to think of them as, as something else. So much so that when we go to the reservoir in Brazil, that, that's 16% full as Sao Paulo is going through a drought. In this photograph of the reservoir, the mermaid is now taking the place of that same scale. So the size of the man in the river, the size of the mermaid, the size of the people, then imply the scale in which man relates to his environment or in some ways relates to his hubris, to his ego, his sense of control. And this idea of inversion. So now we're looking at the aftermath of a hurricane. 
Um, and I like to photograph things from different perspectives, meaning that I want to photograph this aftermath of this particular hurricane in Florida. And then I go back and I photograph it, and you'll see later on, and the other work from another perspective that's based off of restriction. So I'll only use one lens on that particular day and maybe only use black and white film uh, because I know that it's not for this immediate work, that, that this photograph is for this part of the project and the other one is for the other one. And by doing so in this way, I give myself the necessary new limitations to not only stay focused, but to connect uh, some things that, I, that I'm discovering in the places that I'm shooting. Follow the threads of those thoughts, follow the threads of those stories, and, and by doing so, stick with those ideas fully. And what I like about film, regardless of whether I'm shooting film or I'm shooting digital now, the mindset of shooting film is important. I think uh, people get a little too interested in the result of film and not pay attention to the details. What film is good for is conviction. Everything else, I don't care. Yeah, the colors. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. The lights. There's so many good cameras out there. I, I don't know half of them. What really matters is what you see and how you respond to it and therefore what you express. And you don't need a film camera to do that. You don't need a digital camera to do that. But one of those usually helps make a photograph. So when I speak to the idea of the film camera, having 10 frames on a particular day is good. It makes you have to commit to every single choice. And committing to that choice means it really matters. If it really matters in that moment, then and it costs you time, money, resources, error, most importantly, error, the capacity to fuck up, to, to, to not succeed, then you're really making something. I believe the most interesting things happen when you have the highest chance of failure or that you are at risk of great failure, you're also at risk of great discovery. And I try to take that mentality from film. I, I don't, I'm not actually that much of a, uh, uh, a technician when it comes to photography. I don't, I don't really find that aspect of photography that, that interesting. Uh, but I'm more interested in the things it can say and do. And so I like to imagine that those 10 frames of, uh, the camera, each frame in my mind, when I'm walking through India, when I'm seeing soldiers pushing this army truck out, I think, well, it can't, it's not the whole, is it the whole scene? Is it, is it them from start, from the moment I see it to it aftermath or conclusion? And I, I, I shoot it and arrange it as a sequence. Is it just one moment? Is it where, where, where's the meaning? Where's the, what am I, what is, what, what's going on here? And when I think of that, I think of it that I should be able to encapsulate that idea in, on frame number six. And if I can't do it on frame number six, then maybe I shouldn't do it on frame number seven. Maybe I, I, have, to, I have to think more on photograph mess. Or if I have only one frame left, then and I know something and I really feel that conviction of this is meaningful and I have this desire to, 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 to respond to it, then you only need that last frame. And I do think there is an element of development that comes from pushing yourself to commit to something, to, to say, yeah, I believe I can, I can on that morning, that day, I can, I can, I can do this. And I think photographers should, should speak a, a lot more about what tricks and, 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 and 
uh, uh, methods they use to keep themselves strong, to keep themselves vulnerable and strong when they're out in the field or when they're working on a project, how they confront those feelings speaks volumes to their depth and to their, I believe, into the the more interesting aspects of how they think, because we all feel that. There's no one there patting me on the back saying, this is going to happen. This is going to be a good photograph. Um, and, and oftentimes it's hardly me saying that to myself. So I tried to remember that I need to, I need to find a way to believe in myself that day. And that means that I need to imagine that on frame nine, I can do this. And on frame one, I shouldn't be able to do this. I shouldn't need eight more frames. And that's what I mean by the conviction of film. It's, it's in a way a tool to create this little fiction, this little game in my head so that I can, I can be a supportive voice for my own creativity in the moment that I'm, I'm alone. So that's the first part. A lot uh, with uh, film photographers. Uh, I, I asked that question. I'm like, do you enjoy the limitation of only having 10 to 12 frames or do you enjoy um, or or do you use uh, the entire role for one? one it And it just really depends on the person, I think. What kind you know, of sadist I'm, enjoys that? What kind of sadist enjoys? I don't know. The, not hanging out with their loved one and scanning and scanning film in a dark, expensive film. I do believe yeah. I do believe it's become <laughs> extraordinarily preventively. It's become so expensive. Uh, and then you're by yourself. Like I, I'm sorry, I I I am perhaps the least romantic person when it comes to this. It sounds way. <laughs> it sounds and I've I've done it. I've done it for over a decade. And these photographers, of course, that have come before me that have done it far far more. But we're all different. We get different things out of it, right? And I can tell you from well, my part, like, I, 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 I don't want to spend time at it anymore. I'm getting darker. So when they really started restricting and discontinuing a lot of films, did that affect you? I know it um, happened in the last few years. You know, it started to come back. You know, you started to get a lot more stock. But uh, I, I, process, did that change your approach, knowing that you had that only, you know what I mean? Interesting. Interesting question. Uh, like the, the economy of, of, that 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 uh, tool does it affect the process? Um, well, this was two things. One is a gripe. One is an outright gripe that I've not had to. It's it's it's, it's absolutely. This is this is this is this is maybe a wine. A wine might be more accurate. But I what I I was using in the Mia, and when they reissued the the Borcha, they used uh, some type of thicker material i don't know if you noticed this and the back of that kind of started to catch in my mamiya and i thought this was uh, uh i thought it was just my particular camera so i used another I, I, I have a few so i used another one and i and it turns out like that they had changed the thickness of something uh, of like the and the when you're winding the initial aspect and so i was getting a lot of my film in my camera i don't know if anyone else or maybe i just I just screwed this up, but like I, I do remember that, like seeing that the the the, the film that was re reissued was a bit thicker and and it was having this effect, and it was really just it was really making the whole process uh, uh, more more unpredictable, but not unpredictable good, but like unpredictable like guts, like why are we reinventing the wheel? Like just like portrait was already good, you ran out of it, so just like make it the same way. No one wants your no one wants an you ever go to a restaurant and like 
this like this is a new take on a classic burger. You're like, we just want we just want to we just want the classic. <laughs> yeah. We just want the spaghetti arabiata, whatever you know. Uh, we just want a salad. We just want to, we actually you know what it is. We just want the more, we just want a season salad. We just want a season salad. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and, and uh, instead Kodak. Uh, that's they, the gripe is that it changed wine. It's the wine. <laughs> <laughs> that wine. All right. Uh, but but um, the other part is uh, more seriously. Um, how did it affect the process? Um. I think I was already, I think I'd already outgrew it. You know, like I, I, I learned some, a lot of the lessons of like my thought process and creative process and organization of how to, and in my, in like, I would scan after coming back from a particular trip, I would have like 90, hundred rolls of film and I would scan essentially. And I, and there's no exaggeration. I would sit down, add it in a con, had a scanner and I would scan for 14 15 hours straight and and that scanner never stopped i'm talking about always having something scanned and that when you're looking at your own work in that way it's super helpful you you dial into you see all your mistakes you have to organize you have to you have to rate you have to be able to say ah this is what i did wrong or this is where i could improve you really got to live with with your with your mistakes and with your accomplishments and with whatever's there whatever's in the, whatever's in there and then at the same time uh, that I kind of did that for so long that I could kind of I kind of do that in my head now in so many ways. Like I I, I don't I don't I don't really need to be in front of a Emicon for 15 hours anymore to to kind of understand the thought processes and choices that that went into crafting my 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 initial my initial work. So in that regard, like I don't. And just by the way, this is the the least the least appealing way to get a sponsorship from Konak right here. This is like, they're going to listen to what? This is the one person that like this ungrateful, ungrateful you know, whiner. They're going to say, we fix the thickness issue. Thank you. Please. And um, you heard your please. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> please. please. Uh, I don't even use it I'm anymore. Sure the like... I'm sure in the comments, anybody uh, using that camera is going to say something. So, um, it is this the second part that you were talking about of the water series that you haven't really shown yet? Yeah, I'm going to show a few things. Also, this this work. Okay, so this is this is kind of this is kind of like the inversion. So this, this if you can imagine, the main body of water of the project is the first part, the one I showed you that I'm continually adding to within that that very pastel, almost inviting way in which to view these these vignettes of the. The condition, this right here is like I wanted to strip that away. I wanted to have the second part also be an evolving, continually added uh, uh, um, piece of the work. So I call it part two in some way. I wanted to kind of imagine this as a sequel to that idea, but I want it to be an exact inversion. So in both subject matter and the matter in which I view it, it's all the pretense, all the 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 things that I that I think worked in the other in the main piece i kind of wanted to avoid those those things i kind of wanted to work against my type so this is some ways is i'm very happy very happy to be able to share a few of the photographs from it but it's also it's also speaks to the the visceral immediate and vile nature to what uh human human beings are doing 
to, to the planet and what we're doing to ourselves. So a lot of the things in this next part, uh, in case anyone's watching this, a lot of the things in this next part um, should have a disclaimer uh, uh, that they are they are dis depicting death and suffering. And if you are sensitive to that, um, perhaps uh, we can put into the text of, uh, of, of this podcast that they can skip ahead from a certain point to another point uh, uh, so they can avoid that. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what this uh, work, this part of the work is. So this is the you took second a, part. Took a different turn there. You know, you start off with uh, these. Uh, you can you can flip through if you want to flip to your another another one. But uh, um, you kind of um, you you make a shift there. You know, you have these very spiritual, like using water, this like pathway to enlightenment kind of moment. This this transition of death. You know, the almost these beautiful moments that water provides and. And then also you're kind of showing uh, our impact on that. And now you're making kind of a dark turn. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, is it just the part of the journey? Uh, you know, is this, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're doing this journey for a long time and you're now seeing the effects and, and this, I, this part of the story needs to be told. I'm angry. I won't lie. I, I'm angry. I'm, I, 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 I'm, may, I am, I am very tired of seeing people that have no reason to suffer be made to suffer for, for us to have plastics and, and one person to drive a 30,000 euro vehicle and all by themselves pump out. I'm angry, man, and 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 that anger I've tried to funnel and and pour it into the 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 work itself, and this is kind of this part of the work is represents that it's me just not wanting the viewer to get any satisfaction from the photograph. I want them not to have, and then not let, one of the things that people always always uh, had had said when they looked at the first part of the work was that oh they love the colors, and I used this color range as a, as a little bit of a uh, an invitation to get people to look into some of the things I wanted them to say. I wanted to frame uh, 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 this shared dream, first part of the work, uh, in a way that will allow us to both think of it as a shared dream, as this fantasy of how we we interact with it, but also for them to be able to stick with it and be willing to to engage with it. And then, apart after some time, after after doing this for some time, uh, I realized I just wanted some of the photographs to not give you that. And I, I want them to be unpleasant. I want a viewer to look at that and not like it. Because if you don't like it, well, maybe that might inspire you to commit some time to volunteer in your local area and make a difference in a way that you can, rather than say, oh, all of these things are happening and I can't affect them, so why do anything? I find that mindset to be so um, restrictive and very egotistical, as though if one person that has climate anxiety can't solve the world's problems, they should do nothing. I find that to be abhorrent, and and I and, I, and, I, and this part of the work and the Arctic, I think where I'm at now as a photographer, as well as as what these two pieces demonstrate, is that I I really have very little sympathy now for the comforts of the developed North and the Western world to ignore that paradoxical and self-centered way of engaging with climate and i and i just have no desire to 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 facilitate uh um, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Romanticize water per se. You, you want to. You. It seems like a, a, there's a didactic here that you're pointing to, and um, I, I, uh, I think it's quite powerful. Um, I think it's it's really really interesting. It's almost like the invitation into the the myth of water in in the previous part, and this is the reality. Uh, of it, which is it's it's interesting. And why why no color? I'm noticing a lot of black and white. It's all black and white. The reason why is like I the color doesn't matter. It's 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 like it, it's it's not only the color, but like color informs the temporal idea of a photograph. Right? When we look at a color photograph, we tend to even if we cognizantly are aware that this photograph of this politician that's in black and white, like that person's alive, then we know this person's alive. It, so by re removing the color, it makes that person or event dis slightly dislocated from our understanding of time because time to us in our immediate reality is informed by so many things. But most of all, whether we are aware of it or not, it's informed by how light affects us and how it informs what we can understand and what we know and what we can see and what things appear as and what things don't appear. And I wanted to strip that away. I thought the easiest way to do that was the, regardless of whether the photograph was made in color, made in black and white, or if I liked the color of the scene, that I was using that as, as the imperative in which to make it, that I would just say it just ends up, it just ends up drained you know, of it because I wanted the time scale of this, this, this ruthless look at uh, uh, the surality uh, of, of this, this. I wanted that to, to, to to dislocate the viewer. I want them to have no understanding of footing. I want them to have less text. I want them to look at this and be like, what the hell am I looking at? I wanted the mind to not be able to scrabble and claw onto easy captions and easy answers that allow them to justify a a sense of, oh, this is happening over there. Oh, this these colors are nice. I can appreciate it for this, whilst at the same time, I, I don't really want to interrogate it further. That's the reason. I wanted the abstraction to have an actual purpose. I wanted to create very visceral links between them and that I needed to be able to have an outlet for for the, these types of observations within the same body of work. And I realized why 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 not? Why why would I not? It's my I get to I get to make the 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 choice. That's my responsibility to the to the to the the voice of the work. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to totally change how I see and think about what I make. And this part kind of represents that. So do you see these being shown in a similar manner as the, uh, you're talking about, not. and so, yeah, talk to me about that. So before yeah, I can imagine, I'm imagining your show right now, backlit, very large, dark rooms for those, the, the first series. How do you see this one being put up? Um, Sometimes the individual photographs will, I imagine them. Oh, I was just the other day. I was uh, I was at the photography section of the Victoria and Albert Museum, really, really lovely in London. And they have in one of their displays, they have this little device in which you put your eyes to it. Like they have these little goggles on a desk. It's like it's kind of like this black box and it has this like binoculars embedded in it. And you put your eyes to it and you kind of click through it. I wrote down what it was called. I don't remember what it was, what, when it was, 
Um, but I remember putting my eyes to it and clicking through it and seeing old aerials from World War One, and they're all, and, and it's kind of speaking about you know how how photography was being uh, used um, to gather information, and and this was what the display uh, interested in. And I and I imagine this work kind of replicating in some way this aspect of the viewer having to look inside the box. So there's two there's two things that you that, that I kind of imagine this part of the work as and where it will go is that this part of the work is a bit of the river sticks, right? Like we 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 invite the viewer down it. Uh it's only going in one direction. It's going to hell. And and that's the that's the feeling. That's the that's why it's surrounded by black. That's why it glows from the inside. It's it's the living hell that uh, that we are creating on the planet. And I want the viewer to have to have to make a choice to see that. And I don't want to just give them. So like maybe one or two photographs will be oversized light boxes because I, 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 I find that to be a very uh, useful display model. Um, and then maybe some of them are, are, are three or four of them are on, you have to go to this very mechanical almost Blade Runner 2049 when he's like clicking through this like high-tech, low-tech uh, device. And you put your eyes to it and it's like blasting you with light. And you have you're curious because of the apparatus, and you have to click through it like you're looking through an old carousel, and you have to, and all you get is three photographs, or maybe you get a, a series of photographs from one IDP camp, or maybe you get, you know, what I mean, like whatever it is. Uh, I'm I'm kind of speaking in in uh, um, abstract. Yeah, you're not even yeah, yeah. But you, you see what I mean. You you have to sit down and you have to say like, uh, it's one person at a time. Like you have to say like, I'm going to look at things that. Me being a citizen on this planet is the some of the rent I pay. I have it so damn good here. I'm able to go and eat that 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 uh, fire oven pizza any time of day. I'm able to have Uber Eats. I'm able to have all this stuff. The least I can do is click through some photographs that I know are going to be unpleasant. And by doing so, I will have a deeper understanding and appreciation for what is happening in the world around me. And Hopefully, if I do my job as the photographer, the motivation to persevere because the people within these photographs are persevering. And I do not have, at this point of 12 years of photographing climate, I do not have much sympathy left for people and their willingness to give up or not look at hard things. No excuse anymore. There's a ton of hard things in the world. So what? Get right back to it. Show, show, show show yourself what you're really made of by showing that you can care because the strongest people are the most vulnerable. And, and I find that to be the, the truth in my friends. I find it to be the truth in what I've seen in a photograph. And I find it to be the endurable in, truth of photography is that its ability to communicate the vulnerability of the human experience gives it great power. So yeah. if that means clicking through some photographs that are, that are unpleasant, if you can do it, I, I would encourage you to, if you, if you fundamentally are traumatized by something that I can't speak to, and that's some, I can't speak to that, then, then that's your own thing. But if you, if you can, then I do believe you have a responsibility to, to do that. I think it's powerful. I think it's uh, really powerful. Um, this kind of this, this evolution, um, this gives us a great way to kind of slide into the next piece here. How do you see Arctic, um, serving, the whole body of work that you're you're doing, uh, go take us through that next. 
So I did this one last year, 2022, on a fellowship from the Bertha Foundation. Uh, they were really lovely and gave me the support from, from which to be able to have the independence of time. Time is so important. I, I feel like perhaps an underrated creative tool is that good things do obviously take time in most spheres of creativity. But some things that take time, um, you need them to teach you what they're about in the course of doing it. So when I, I've always wanted to photograph the Arctic, it's Antarctica, the Arctic. Yeah, you'll notice in the in the course of my, my the, the one you've just seen and what you just heard, I've, I've I've touched on both the immediacy of the surreal. I've tried to to touch a little bit on the abstraction of how these things, uh, these issues, uh, move between uh, our understanding of time, and I've also tried to speak to the immediacy of the pain and suffering of those that 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 that, that have been confronted with its brutality, and so the Arctic represents something of a of the next step because with this work and the work that i continue to do it will be much in the vein of of all three pieces blended together um and what i mean by that is the arctic when you close your eyes and you imagine it um chances are you can imagine a polar bear you can imagine some ice you can imagine some snow and blah 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 and that is a fantasy. The Arctic is warming. Parts of the Arctic are warming three times as fast as the rest of the world. Sea ice is is, is melting in record uh, to record lows, and and likely and to not come back in the coming years. The Arctic is under threat, and it's the canary and the coal mine that signifies that the coal mine is poisoned and we must evacuate. The Arctic is a symbol to us far more than it is a reality to us. So when we imagine that polar bear or even the desire to see a photograph of a polar bear, this I could not tell. I could not, I, I couldn't go there and make a photograph of it. Because by doing so, I would be fulfilling that fantasy that we collectively have of this region and therefore contributing to the misunderstanding of its valuation and its inherent importance. And therefore I would be uh, making a work that would be a discredit to to its its actual importance. So I decided what I would do is I would photograph the fantasy of the Arctic as the theme itself, whilst at the same time using those symbols to speak to the scale in which we see it. So the first photograph is of an iceberg in northwest Greenland. You're looking at the inside of an iceberg from a very massive glacier in Illinois. And I wanted to evoke the sense of inside out, obviously, but I also wanted to blend the sky and the snow and this and this like bleeding of 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 light of almost like a almost like you you died and went to heaven type type aesthetic um, with this very raw eternal scarred almost looks like granite. It doesn't look like ice to me. It looks like you rip a bandage off of something too soon. And it this is what and this is what it looks like. It's unpleasant and you want to put it right back together. So this is kind of really sort of the the the, the approach I'm taking with the, the 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 Arctic, which is under threat. So my my subject matter, while it while familiar, I wanted to 
subvert it by 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 speaking about it in a different way. So you're looking at right now you're looking at the this this photograph from the Arctic Ocean. So this is record low sea ice melt. Sea ice is melting uh, more and more, and it won't reform into the future uh, because, of course, our planet is warming. So you're seeing the white is snow, the tan is land, the blue is water. And I wanted to use this feeling of like almost looking through like a petri, like the microscope, looking at this event, almost like you're studying it in a slide and it's 2150 and you're looking back at like, why, how did human beings not notice this was, this was a really, really shit idea, you know, to, to make this happen. And I wanted to look almost like you're studying our, our virus or our, our viral behavior. And I wanted, and so this is the, where this, this blending of black and white and color, but also scale is coming into four. But I can't quite help myself. And I always like to, I'm a bit of a sucker for, for, uh, um, this, this very cinematic feel of, of how, of taking feelings that I, I've seen in cinema and, and translating them into things that I, that I see in other places. And, and what I mean by that is this atmosphere, this font is, is from a day that was particularly notable uh, in Svalbard, in the archipelago of Norway and the Arctic Circle, where there was one day it was negative degrees, the next day it was 15, 16 degrees and uh, above, above, uh, above zero. So it went from ice to melted fog, running water. It felt like I was in, it felt like I was in a, in a murder. It felt like I was in this, in this, like, uh, this really, really scary dream. Uh, I would like, I wasn't supposed to see the, the, the ground. I wasn't supposed to see some of these things They were supposed to be covered in snow. And this is this, the structure that you're looking at is a failed uh, uh, dome that was constructed to grow, um, to grow, to be a garden, to be a garden in the Arctic is nothing. Uh, you can't really grow uh, uh, some, some of these, some of these uh, um, like flowers or, or, or certain types of plants that you would consume. You can't really grow it in the ground there. So you kind of need to have a, 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 an apparatus to do that. And I like the skeletal nature of this. I like the, 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 the feeling of, of it's of that type of, structure very human the symbolism of it you know uh, uh the desire to make to cultivate life uh and i and i, and I like seeing that that it's been re reduced to a skeleton and you'll notice that this is also a theme within the art and the series is reduced to something right you have the the halved iceberg you have the skeleton of this dome and then you get this again this compression this very large scale overwhelming the frame frame of 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 human human action you're looking at a dock, um, and this dock is like many docks that you'll you'll see across the Arctic. It's in some ways producing shipping. Uh, it's 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 a it's a point of commerce for not that area, but for us in other parts of the world. So in this area, uh, they're fishing halibut like crazy because halibut at the time when I was photographing it was in high demand. So our consumption behavior, our, I'm sorry, our consumption patterns dictate a whole series of outcomes that we never get to see. And for the most part, when we imagine the Arctic, we imagine that polar bear. Don't forget, we imagine that 
that uh, some people even along the way of photo when I was doing this asked me to make some photographs of penguins. And I always, I always, I always like this. I always enjoyed when when people ask me to make photographs of an animal that exists uh, in the opposite direction of, of the Arctic, and uh, it speaks to that fantasy. Is what I'm really trying to get at. We imagine the Arctic. We don't. We don't. We don't like to imagine that unpleasant dock that exists because we like to eat halibut. You know, like we want to imagine that polar bear. The polar bear is not just the symbol of the Arctic. It's a symbol of our willingness to ignore the Arctic. And so that's why I blended this this, this type of aesthetic, this uh, 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 this 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 version uh, of 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 uh, the Arctic. So. Now you're looking at the aftermath, the blood on the sea ice of a seal that's been butchered by Inuit hunters. Um, and, I, and I thought this was an important texture to evoke in the viewer's mind. Blood upon water, death, again, the temporal nature of something, the, the, the compression, looking at something, its, it's scale, relating and being relative to the photographs that come before and after. In some ways, the Arctic is the more complex version of everything I ever wanted to shoot. And now you're looking at, at a mine that is far from the prying eyes of the public. Uh, and this is why um, the industry, the mine the, 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 the mine uh, itself, which lead and zinc, is able to conduct its behavior in this way is because you, the, the viewer, cannot easily see it. Uh, in Alaska, you would have to do what I did. You would have to hire a reluctant pilot out of a very um, specific place to fly over it in order to see it. And that's that's a part of the the way I wanted to approach the subject matter. I wanted to show you some things that you've not seen before, and I wanted to show you some things that you have seen but not give you the not give you the the seal. I wanted to show you the it's blood on, on the ice. I want to show you the texture of staining the land uh, as, as, the, as the idea. And uh, the blood on the ice and the, uh, the pollution in the mine, for me, are just as important to consider uh, simultaneously in the, in, in the forefront of our attention, where things should be uh, in some ways. Like uh, This is where the, the work really allowed me to expand upon that. I, I got to play with the rel the relative subject matter and and like its importance. Like this is melting permafrost. Permafrost is a whole other issue and uh, about what risks and dangers come along with it and a changing climate. But I also didn't want to make a story about permafrost. I don't think many people are going to want to open their newspaper in the morning and be like, "Oh, I would love to you know read you know 15 pages long form piece on permafrost." Like. I don't really know if that's the general public's way of interacting with climate change, but if I can evoke the the, the idea of displacement within that very valuable subject to read about, then I can maybe perhaps get that general public to to be interested in it and to feel that to feel that. You have you've had a front seat to these experiences and. Uh... I hear your passion. I hear your anger. I, I hear um, uh, you're you're really connected to this. Is is there a hope? Uh, do you think there's hope? Hope for what? Hope 
Um, is there hope uh, that uh, we become aware of our impacts? Is there hope that uh, something hmm. can uh, come out of this? Or is it just so rapidly changing that it's almost like you're uh, on, on a front on on a roller coaster to hell and there's really no way you can get off the track do you do you feel any hope of course i wouldn't i wouldn't be on this call if i didn't feel that uh, i wouldn't be on this call if i didn't feel any hope um that's that's a lot of double negatives to to uh, i i like <laughs> to, to simply say uh, yeah of course there's hope there's there's hope every single day and and i i, I want to make i want to be very specific Every contribution a human being makes to improving the lives of their neighbor, family member, loved one, of their immediate environment, to be sustainable, it matters. This, it's a fiction. Don't ever believe. It's a fiction to believe that it doesn't matter. It, and the only system of thought that wants to promote in our daily lives that what our choices are, that our choices don't matter. The only system of thought that wants to do that is capitalism. Because capitalism wants you to keep on behaving unsustainably. Its only purpose is growth. It has no other end goal. And, and, so, and it cannot be justified. We live on a finite planet with finite resources. That is the only place we can survive. And we are making massively poor decisions collectively towards its... Uh, well-being. And by doing so, not without irony, we are poisoning our ability to survive. That is an existentialist question rather than a question of like preference. Anyone that doesn't believe in climate change, they will they will fall into the footholds of of of, of the foot the foot not the footholds, the, the the footnotes of history as being those people. The real future, the, the the potential of our of our of our of our solving this issue comes from every single human being that holds a candle against the darkness of those ideas. And that's the the, the conviction I have, even right. while being angry, even while being hopeful. Being angry and hopeful are for me, not opposite. I can be angry at something that I don't like and be hopeful and purposeful with what I do about it. And so long as I view that, what I do contributes that it is a candle for not only myself to understand my existence and my, the time I live in, but others to feel and connect to that, that I am doing something with my time on this world that contributes to carrying that flame forward. And I'm, and I'm touched on this a little bit, but I do believe whether or not I get further support for this work, whether someone buys prints and helps me make it, whether or not someone gives me an assignment or no one cares about it at all will make zero difference if I don't care about it myself. So I try my very best to 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 persevere. I try my very best to believe and do what I say. And I hope that when somebody feels that they are on the roller coaster to hell and they feel that things are bad and they feel like what hope is there i would say cry me a river and when you're done look around and think about how you could help somebody that isn't you 
And that's the source of joy. It's a source of happiness. That's a source of beauty. That's the source of meaning. I promise you the best things in photography and life come from discovering that it's not about you. And if we can have those two ideas, two ideas, that's what I'll leave on. If you got two ideas, two ideas to, to have is that by honest reflection, what your contribution is to the, to, to the world and how you can make that better. And then when you do so, remember, it's important to think about other people. And if you can help somebody today, that's the actual hope. That's the difference. You helped someone you didn't, that wasn't helped yesterday. You just made a huge difference. And that person will have the capacity to do that again, again, and again. It is only because we think by consuming materials and consuming objects that, that we are absolved of that responsibility. Are we in this situation at all? Do you think by expanding like the way we think about these things and just stop thinking about yourself and exposing yourself to work like yours can kind of help us break out of this mold and into uh, something else, you know, it just, just to realize, do you think your work, let me, let me kind of rephrase. Do you feel like your work is, is attempting to try to point to that, that there's, there's something bigger than yourself? That that you believe it or not, you're uh, a piece of this machine, but but the you should probably contribute to something bigger um, than just this constant, you know, uh, immersion into our, our our society through social media and all these other things. Um, is that what you're kind of alluding to in your work? Is that? Um, yes, the connectivity. I think I think we're all craving that. You know, like we are we are searching and so many channels and avenues for human connection for meaning we're doing it constantly regardless of what we want we can we can imagine it's social media that's preventing us from doing that i don't i don't really buy into that i would say we are perhaps giving too much credit and too much merit to anything ex but personal choice we are seeking in so many ways to constantly distract ourselves from confronting one of the hardest things for a human being to confront, which is themselves. And once we confront ourselves, we become self-aware, we become aware of our mortality, we become aware of our responsibility, we become aware, and this is rather unpleasant. This can be difficult. And rather than seek knowledge, we will seek destruction. And that destruction comes in the form of self-delusion, it comes from actual destruction, violence, it comes in uh, uh, materialism, it comes in so many so many uh, different uh, clothing, so many different ways, so many ways. Uh, but I think that ball, the antidote, the thing that I try to provide is that by spending time in this mindset, this approach, this space, this under this this way of communicating that you too have the capacity to find the equivalency of what you just experienced what you just felt in your own and show that to somebody else and i don't care if that's with a pen i don't care if that's by teaching a group of children at a museum i saw this the other day i saw a group of like maybe like eight nine-year-old sketching at the at one of the museums in london and i was just like oh my god that's so beautiful those teachers, thankless job. They get paid so little for what they provide, so critically important. 
And they're bringing these children and giving them love, life, and enjoyment and teaching them how to have the, the ability to look at something and, and express their feelings and your feelings matter and that you can look at the world and understand it. Like, that's, fuck, man, that's amazing. And I looked at that and I thought, that's, we're doing the same thing. We're doing the same thing. And and we have to make sure that we are able to do that for each other. It's like, I that's why I kind of really wanted to come back to like, I don't believe my work is the end all. I view that I want to be able to do the very best I can do about something I think is important. And then I know some, some, some little girl, some little boy somewhere is going to look at it, it or something else. And they're going to carry that flame forward. And maybe they, 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 maybe they fix it. Maybe they, maybe they do it in a way that I, that I can't, but that doesn't mean that I have to stop. And that doesn't mean that I should. What it means is I'm a part of something larger than myself. And I try to, to promote that idea and what I photograph. I try to promote that idea and how I speak about it. And hopefully by someone listening to that, if you, if you take nothing else from my, uh, time here is, is, is the one understanding that do not under any circumstance, do not under any circumstance, forget that you can, you, you have the capacity to do just the same and you should. Because if you feel that it's important and you can contribute to something better, uh, you have the responsibility to do that thing. I think uh, that is a great way to uh, finish up our, our our talk today. Thank you so much for your time. Um, your your work is very very powerful, and uh, you 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 have a a very very a very very fascinating way and a very powerful way of presenting your work and. And uh, it comes through in the images, even without your words. Uh, but having the words just adds another depth to it that I think is really, really amazing. So with that, uh, tell tell everybody how they can find you or, or reach out to you. Um, sorry, I, if, I was thinking about like, a, a, I, was, I was trying to remember my own email address. Um, <laughs> it's my name. It's, it's pathetic. Um, my, you can see my work on my website. I I, I think that's always the the best. I I, I tend to, to 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 imagine that is kind of more the the space in which I usually can can express what I want. Uh, um, I'm having an exhibition in in the coming year in the United States at, at the Minnesota Marine Museum uh, in January. But uh, Instagram, I kind of use Instagram as a as a storefront as a way. To, to communicate what things are happening. It's not really the best platform, I believe, but you can find me on Instagram under my name, which is uh, somewhere on your screen or, or has been said. Yeah. So, someone, 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 someone said. It'll be, uh, it'll be in the, uh, it'll be in the uh, comment section or the, uh, uh, the about section of below. Yeah. I really do hope so. And, uh, <laughs> um, and then, and of course uh, the, the, the the best way the way that I feel like is the the, the that gives me the ability to I love making prints so the prints that I've been making uh, on 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 this very delicate Japanese paper and some other printing processes are my way of making a physical object on the things that I care about so prints are always a really good way for people to interact with my work um, and hopefully in the next 
I'm not going to say a number, but in the next few somethings, I'll I'll be able to have a a, a book um, that, uh, come out. So that's those are the ways. Yep. That's really really really. It's a long winded way of saying go to a website, Instagram, some friends, and blah blah. But uh, thank you for thank you for 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 uh, taking the time, and and I, I really enjoyed uh, speaking about this work and showing some of the stuff. And I hope everyone's enjoyed. I hope I made some sense. Uh, I, I, yeah, I you know did. that I, you did. It was, I that I feels wonderful, and I, I loved, uh, I loved looking at it, and so, um, and and speaking with you, and and so uh, uh, to everyone out there, thank you so much for joining us. If you love this content, please like, share, and subscribe. And if you want to support content like this, uh, also sign up uh, for, to be one of our Patreon uh, patrons on Patreon.com. And uh, with that, we'll see you next time.